murder hornets. What the hell happened to murder hornets? We just skipped by them. <laughs> so if you're wondering about the uh, the title of this of this podcast, um, I, I read, I saw a meme on Facebook about something about the murder hornets where it says, I, I got a paraphrase here, but it's like murder hornets. What happened to murder hornets? I feel like we kind of skipped them. You know, they didn't get their due. If you know what I'm talking about, of course, we're coming, it's June 7th right now. Of course, so we're coming out of this COVID, uh, uh, COVID, you know, business. And uh, then these murder hornet, you know, news of these murder hornets came along. And these things, by the way, if you haven't seen these things, they're real. And they're absolutely straight out of a goddamn Godzilla movie. They freaking, they're terrifying. If I see this, thing, I mean, I, I squeal like a little girl running away every time I see a spider or insects or, or not that bad. But man, um, if you've ever seen, again, I, I reference a lot of memes. If you've ever seen the meme of a, a guy walking away from a house that's absolutely burning to the ground behind him. And he says, yep, took care of the spider. That's me. Okay. So, but uh, then we got into this horrible, horrible uh, event that took place here in in Minneapolis, where uh, this man George Floyd was murdered by uh, one particular cop, but four, but all four of them, three of them stood around and watched, and that's what it was. I mean, it was straight up murder. This guy was under custody. You guys know all the details. He was no threat. He was detained, cause uh, restrained, whatever. And um, you know, while you know onlookers pretty much filmed. Uh, this man was suffocated to death, uh, you know, for everyone to see. It, it's it's horrible. It, it's just it's just terrible. And you know, they the officers are of course have been charged. Um, they're going to get their their day in court, obviously. But of course, this set off uh, this powder keg that we've had with with you know people. I don't know whether this would have happened whether people had been cooped up for the last few months or not. You know, because of COVID or anything like that, but it was just a charged atmosphere, and I think this set it off. And we had, of course, just massive rioting and looting and things like that, and everything is just so goddamn confusing because you've got a genuine, in in my opinion, um, the heart of it. You know, with with the whole Black Lives Matter, I I I, I would hope that it's not you know willfully violent movement because there seems to be a lot of um, uh, you know like good positive messages behind it saying, Hey, we need reforms, you know, in this, this, in this area, in that area, this area, that area. But then there's also, there's people who took this opportunity to decide that they were just going to loot and go crazy and, and just, you know, fuck everything up because, because they can. Um, the weird part is, of course, if you look at any video of all the looting and rioting, they're all, they're all millennials. They're all just, just millennial brats you know, in, in, in skinny jeans and Nikes and, you know, Patagonia, you know, puffies and hats and stuff with, 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 a you know, with a mask, of course. So uh, it's, there's just chaos. It's chaos on all sides. The media, of course, is, you know, just salivating, diving in, you know, divisiveness, anti-Trump, anti-this, anti-that. Um, just the blame to go around is just, is just crazy. And uh, I don't know what to think. Um, I think all sides have a have a point. I think things need to change. But then you've got uh, you know this craziness here. The Minneapolis ca- uh, City Council just recently um, voted or was or is, is going to vote that with their. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, but they basically want to disband the Minneapolis Police Department and replace it with a more uh, socially uh, uh, public safety oriented. Uh, model. I don't know how the hell that's going to work. I think they're kind of delusional with that. Um, but it's just absolute chaos. Um, the, the the violence has, has gone down. 
But it's terrible that so many people and, and, and police officers, and many of them black, have been killed because of this. So on the one hand, how can you sit there and, and listen to the media where they say there's, uh, what, institutional racism? I don't even know what the hell that even means, okay, because people are throwing that around. And it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what to think about stuff like that. But when people of all color are killed because of their uniform, I don't think that's a racist thing. I think that's just, uh, you know, like a fuck the cops thing, which is, you know, which is ridiculous. And this has given license to people to, uh, to commit acts of violence. And it seems to me that the media is doing everything in their power to, A, blame Trump, and B, you know, defend these people, which is unforgivable. So... I think back in the, was it back in the 60s I think there was a there was um you know the tagline kill your TV. Well, man, if there's any other time there's no better time to kill your TV than it is now because all you're being fed is more divisiveness and more hatred and I I I just don't see most of the country being that way. I think you're just like with anything else with the news you're being shown the absolute worst of the worst. Uh, white, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so I'm not going to spend a whole ton of more time with that. It's just interesting times. We're going through our own um, kind of, I uh, wasn't around in the 60s, but I don't know, maybe this is similar. Maybe this is, this is you know, along the same lines. Who knows? But uh, certainly things are going to change. Uh, we don't know which way they're going to change. So hope you guys are, um, I didn't want to be too much of a downer in the beginning of this, but I, I just wanted to, to, to preface that, you know, what what's going on right now and just kind of the, the last kind of several months have been bookended with Corona and, you know, riots. And then this, this uh, poor murder hornet thing here, um, the whole murder hornet thing never got its chance to get hyped in the, in the media. So anyway, um, this is going to be a shorter podcast, really. This wasn't supposed to be like a big political podcast or anything like that. I really want to get into just kind of like a wrap up of turkey season. Complete change out of anything political uh, and, you know, to, to more happy thoughts of, of, of hunting. So uh, my my turkey season, I you know what, I would consider it a success. And I know you guys are going to sit there and say, well, you always say that when you don't shoot anything. Well, okay, I haven't shot. I didn't shoot anything this year, but I did get a shot off. I did talk about this uh, one encounter with uh, with Nick View when I had him on, on the podcast. And it was um, it was amazing. I, I can re- I'm going to recap it here just just, you know, for anybody that uh, that cares to listen to it again, because it was so goddamn exciting. But um, my my turkey season this year has been way better than 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 last year because last year everything was underwater i only really got to go turkey hunting last year probably once or twice uh, i spooked a couple birds off the uh, off the roost and uh, i i had no shot opportunities i could not get into areas that i would like to get into a little bit deeper away from people away from pressure because it was all underwater this year completely different i approached this year with uh, a more uh, a more tactical attitude, uh, kind, kind of the way I, I try to approach approach deer hunting. Um, it wasn't just like, hey, walk in, hope for the best, something to do before work. Uh, I, I really came at it with, okay, I'm really going to try and pinpoint certain areas where they are. I'm going to put more effort into scouting, um, trying to pinpoint where birds are, where birds are going to be in the morning or maybe midday if I get a chance to go out midday. And I, I'm, I'm really happy with the results. I'm really happy with, with uh, the, the scouting that I did and, and the things that I discovered. So uh, I guess, you know, our, our season here in Minnesota goes from the second week in April. 
yeah, second week in April through uh, the end of May. Okay, so we get six weeks basically. Uh, if you're if you're archery, and of course I chose archery, and nothing was underwater. It was a little bit swampy here and there, but most of the areas that I was able to get to, not a problem. So the first few mornings that I went, I went uh, to one particular place I go, and it's only a couple couple few hundred yards in from like a main walking trail from a main road. And it's really quick to get in there, set up. Um, I set up with uh, my blind. Uh, I called in, I believe, was did I call in a hen? I can't remember if I called in a hen or not. Uh, no shots, no toms, no, no real gobbles here. and Maybe one gobble here and there. there. Uh, I went in a few more times in the same kind of general area. And two different times, I ended up spooking birds off the roost. I did that last year. I was trying to hold back and not and trying to spot them in the trees before you know getting in too deep and spooking them. You know this time and twice this year, I made again stupid mistakes. Uh, on the one hand, I, there's a, there's one area where birds roost all the time, and I'm not going to say where, but um, I was able to uh, pinpoint these areas. And let's just say there's kind of like a like a trail that I'm walking through that kind of winds through this this wooded area next to a marsh, and there's certain trees on the left and certain trees on the right. Uh, the left would be kind of oaks and maples and things like that right up by by the swamp, and then as you get more um, to you know farther away, just just to, just about 100 yards, not even 150 yards. There's more pines and and, and that kind of stuff, and they've always been in the oaks. Well. The, the one morning I ended up getting in too close and I spooked them in the, in the oaks. And I saw them fly down and fly away. I did not see any toms in any of these. Um, it was light enough that I could see and they all looked to be hens. The next time I went in there, I was like, okay, I'm I, I'm looking to the left as I'm walking. And just, just to kind of set the scene here so you can kind of understand it. And I'm scanning the trees, I'm scanning the trees, I'm going real slow. I'm looking up into the treetops and... And then for my right, of course, I spook them, and they were in the pines. So, dumbass mistake. I assumed that he'd be in the exact same trees every night, even though they were not in the exact same trees. They were like about 100, 150 yards away in the other, you know, uh, 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 on my on my other side. But I wasn't looking over there. I was too focused on that. So I guess the takeaway from that is just because you see some, you know, so, some birds. Uh, let's just say you, you, you roost them the night before, or you know where they where they where they roost. Don't assume that they're always going to be in that same uh, either tree or batch of trees, particular uh, you know like cops of trees, if you want to use that term. Uh, look around because they can be in you know like, uh, they can be in the core area, but they don't necessarily have to be in the exact trees that you think they're going to be in all the time. And that's what got me that second time. They uh, you know they were off to my right. And I spooked one, then I spooked another, and then it was over. And again, those looked to be all hens, but I think I would have still tried, had I known, I would have tried to set up, and I had my ground blind there. Uh, it, it's not too far to carry in a ground blind. I would have stopped short, set up there, and then uh, maybe called, you know, did, did some calling. And even if the hens came in, and I've called in hens before, maybe behind them, you know, a gobbler might have been, you know, following the real deal if the hens came. I don't know. I never got a chance to, uh, I never got a chance to, uh, to, to, to put that into motion. So, so after that, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to go to this place anymore. I'm going to go try different areas. And this uh, particular place is an archery only area. 
and uh, I deer hunt there all the time. I uh, small game hunt there all the time, and then basically it's it's about a a mile down. It's it's pretty much like a straight walking trail. Um, it's it's on uh, the Fish and Wildlife Land, uh, Wildlife Refuge, and it goes. It splits between you know a couple marshes, couple lakes, and it goes all the way down and it hits a river. And I thought, okay, I'm just gonna go all the way down, hit the river, and then you know go one direction. And you know I went left, which would have been west. And I'm just gonna because I. I I'd been behind this particular marsh, this particular lake before, but I wanted to go all the way down, see what's going on over there, because the because people usually don't go that far, and even during deer season, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna see what's down there. I want to see if there's any birds down there. I want to see what's going on down there, and I, I want to make sure that I'm eliminating that area. So I'm just gonna take a scouting trip. Of course, I'm taking a scouting trip with you know with, with my bow and arrow and everything like that. And this year, I only carried my traditional bows. I only carried my, uh, uh, actually, I only carried one bow. I carried the, the, the Bear Grizzly. Last year, I kind of switched it up a little bit between my compound and, and uh, I can't remember what, maybe my Kodiak Magnum or something like that. But walking in that far, I was not going to take my blind. So what I did is I took my ghillie. And uh, I don't have any big fancy decoys. But I, I, I just didn't feel like hoofing a whole bunch of, like, extra weight and stuff and, and you know, carrying a ground blind. I mean, it's just a pain in the ass. It's one thing if you're only going to go, like, a few hundred yards, you know, a quarter mile or something like that. But where I needed to go was, was about a mile and a half, mile and three quarters. That's an easy walking trail. But I still don't want to carry all that big, mainly the blind. So basically I just threw everything in my, you know, in my Kuyu, you know, Icon Pro 1850. Um, that size... Pack has has is kind of what I went back to after uh, uh, using the um, the door gunner last year from Kafaru. Great pack. I just it's just not big enough. Um, mainly because you know in the mornings you want to, it's early enough here in Minnesota where in the mornings you might want to have a puffy in there. You know it definitely some mornings were like I mean it was like it was like twenty something degrees uh, for the first opening morning I believe it was. Um, you want to have a puffy in there, you want to have some gloves or a hat or whatever, uh, maybe an extra layer. And the one decoy I had, I wanted to carry that with me. And I don't want to carry the decoy and I don't want to strap it to the outside. I want it inside. And this is the, that, uh, that funky chicken decoy. It's kind of like a really kind of lame looking scrawny, skinny, tall, uh, Jake decoy. And uh, I didn't want any hen decoys or anything like that. I figured, you know, this thing is, has got a red head. Uh, it's going to be visible. You want it to be visible to other toms, and uh, you know, uh, actual like real-looking decoys that they're just so big and bulky and stuff that I just didn't feel like wanting to carry them. I'm like, okay, this year I'm gonna go minimalist, and if I can pull it off, fantastic. And if I can't, well, that's okay. I'm just I'm gonna do it on my terms. So anyway, for safety, I, I always have that that chicken, you know, head down or at least like completely like inside my pack and zipped up. So, you know, just in case someone else is out there, they don't they don't see my decoy walk by with me strapped to it and take a shot. You know, you hear horror stories all the time, uh, you know, even not so much in, in archery areas. And this is an archery only area, but I just didn't want to take the chance. So anyway, so I had everything that I own basically, uh, you know, in there, plus uh, this, this ghillie suit that I have. I, I, I used a ghillie last year a few times during, during um, uh, deer season. 
And this is a ghillie that I have a love-hate relationship with. It's not that easy to put on. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's got the snaps instead of a zipper on the front. Um, I, it, it's a stringy kind. You know, it's a cheap one off of Amazon. And, I mean, I come out with more sticks and brush and twigs and stuff attached to it than I go in. Uh, it hangs up on everything. So, And it's not something you can wear in because you're just going to just, just sweat your balls off. So, um, basically, it's the ghillie top and then a ghillie, uh, the face mask. And then that was strapped to the outside of my pack. And I just walked in with just the pack and me and the the, uh, the, the decoy in, in, the, in the pack and my bow. And uh, this year I was um, shooting the uh, the Tough Head. I had uh, Jason uh, Wojohowicz, I said the name again, right again, from uh, Tough Head Broadheads uh, on uh, several episodes back. So I had my Grizzly set up with uh, with those Tough Tough Head Meatheads. They're the 265 grain deal, super sharp. Great head, fly great. So anyway, uh, I decided to take a walk and I'm like okay I'm just gonna walk in deep I'm gonna I'm gonna see what's out there and I'm gonna call now for the first part of the season I wasn't getting any any kind of shock gobbles I wasn't getting any shock gobbles until like the very last one or two times that I actually went out and a shock gobble for those who don't know of course is uh, you know you make a crow call or you make a coyote call or um, uh, a, a barred owl call and you, you just get them to gobble at you. You don't want to, the, the reason you don't want to, you know, I'm talking like, a, like an expert turkey hunter here, but the reason you don't want to use a actual hen call, like you don't want to actually you know, get out your slate call and start making the hen, hen yelps, is, uh, is because you don't want to do that until you're actually set up and ready. Because if something answers back right away, you need to be you know, in position, ready to shoot, like, like drop to your knees and like ready to go. And <clears throat> with the fact that I wasn't actually wearing my ghillie in and I was going to have to set up my decoy. Um, and my decoy, by the way, doesn't, I, I lost its uh, little peg that, uh, you know, that, that goes up the bottom, you know, uh, and, and, and acts like its legs kind of thing a long time ago. But I carry, I was using one of my, uh, my, my, st- my stump shooting arrows and uh, that worked out just fine. You know, I'd stick that in the dirt and, and you know, stick the uh, uh, decoy, you know, on the arrow and, and there you go. So I had kind of like a two-on-one use uh, from, from my arrows that I'm carrying in anyway. So anyway, that's why you don't want to use a, an actual turkey call until you're actually like ready to ready to go and, and, and ready for this thing to come in. But turkeys will, you know, toms will gobble at anything. They gobble at planes. And I witnessed that this time around too because where I go is relatively close to a private airport where they got private jets and planes and things like that uh, across the, um, across the, uh, uh, the river from, uh, from where I was hunting. And sure enough, I, I heard them gobble at a jet that went by that was, that was taking off. I'd never heard that before. It's kind of, you know, I've, I've heard all the stories where they'll gobble, you know, they'll gobble a thunder, they'll gobble at, um, you know, a car door slamming, just any weird noise. It just sets them off. It's like a primal thing with them. So I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing any of that with, um, with, with shock gobbles early in the season. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's kind of strange, but I was experiencing call when I was set up in areas, uh, you know, and I would actually call with, uh, with a slate call or a pot and peg call. Uh, I was getting responses. And this is kind of uh, contra- contradictory to a lot of other people I've heard throughout the season from other areas of the country where they're saying these birds are just not gobbling at all. They're totally silent. Well, for me, they were gobbling their heads off. Once I found them, they were gobbling their heads off. So at least I didn't have that 
I didn't have that problem. So once I got to the area that, that, that I wanted to kind of go and set up in, uh, there was a stretch, I'm going to say across, the, well, along the river. So we think of it like a big L. I'd walk in kind of perpendicular to the, to the, you know, toward the river. I'd hit the river and I'd, I'd, I'd turn left, which is west, and I would walk. And across the river, maybe anywhere from, uh, you know, 150 to 200 yards away across, I'm terrible at judging that kind of distance, but approximately, there were, in, in the span of like three quarters of a mile going in the, in, in the westerly direction, there were probably at least six or seven birds, uh, three different groups of, of birds. I'd walk a little bit. And I'd, I'd elicit some uh, some some uh, some calling and some uh, uh, gobbles back, but I could not get them to fly over. And I'd walk a little bit further, and there'd be another group over there, and I could hear them gobbling, totally different from the group that was you know uh, several hundred yards back. And I could not get them to cover. And then all the way down, I, there was a, yet yet another one. So you know, one of them might have had one area definitely had like three birds. The other one had two or three. I couldn't tell. And then the other one had uh, one, sometimes two. And I thought, okay, well, here's where I'm going to be. So I, I, I went out a couple times, and I could not get them to come over. And I just didn't know what to do. But I knew that was going to be my best shot because I knew there were actually toms. Um, this was, a, like I said, about a mile and a half to a mile and three quarters walking in. Easy walk, you know, walking trail. But... Um, you know, I'd have to get there early. And of course, the turkey season, you know, you're up at like four o'clock and you're, you got to be out the door walking in the woods, let's say by 435 at the very latest, because then it's like gray light um, unless you want to be set up. So long story short, w one of the mornings I actually went in and um, I was uh, was set up across from what I thought was a, a bird that I could call over relatively easily. And, I, and, and I'm not going to get into how, how or why this one was more susceptible. I think it's because the other two locations that I tried, that were like kind of earlier up on the trail. Um, I had actually heard hens there and I'd heard that I, I'd spent, I'd spent a good enough amount of time, you know, uh, yelping at them and then having go gobble back and yelping at them and then gobble back. And I just could not get them to fly over. Now, this is all happening before work. I did not uh, hunt, you know, one minute, let's say past, you know, like seven o'clock or something like that. Uh, most mornings, seven, seven thirty. I was, I was already walking out on my way to work because uh, I, I just, you know, I had to go to work. I believe in my heart of hearts that if I was able to hunt um, during midday, that I would have been able to call at least one of those turkeys across the river a whole lot easier, because um, as you may or may not know, you know, in the morning they're they're hend up, meaning they probably roosted with the hens that, that they want to mate with or very, very close to them. So they all fly down and they all do their little parade and they all, you know, the, the, the toms will fan out and, you know, strut around and this and that and then they breed. But mid-morning, the hens say, okay, I've had enough of this, you know, too much action for me. I'm going to go nest. So the, the hens walk away. They just, they, just leave, they just leave the toms and the jakes alone. They're like, okay, we're just going to go go do hen stuff over here and sit on some eggs and incubate. So... The, the, the toms, of course, they're, they're still hot to trot. And, you know, it, you're able to call them away with a hen yelp uh, or hen clucks or, or hen sounds, whatever, a whole lot easier because they don't have the real thing there, okay? Um, it's, uh, it, it's kind of akin to, you know, 
you know, back in the day, if you went to a bar and, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're, you know, and, and if you're kind of hot to trot and, you know, meet you and try to try to meet some girl or whatever, you know, if you've got the real thing, if you got the real deal right there that, you know, you can try to put the moves on, you're not going to go somewhere else, try to find it. It's like, okay, well, I've got actual real live females here. Well, that's what the, that's what the turkey is thinking. Well, when the bar closes, everything's gone. Then uh, you're like, okay, I, 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 I got to go somewhere else because there's, there's nobody here. Well, that's what the, that's what the turkeys are thinking too. Um, they're like, okay, the hens are gone. I still want to find somebody. So if they hear a lonely hen call, then they're more apt to leave where they are and go chase after that and be like, hey, there's a lonely hen over here. I'm going to go try and find what this is going on because the ones I was just hanging out with are not, they're gone now. They're not paying me any attention. So that's why a lot of turkeys get shot midday. Well, I was not able to um, get out midday at all. So everything I tried to do, I had to do it early in the morning, and that's really, really tough. Again, if the hens are there, unless it is a non-dominant tom or jake or something like that it's really hard to pull um pull them away from the real deal if it's a non-dominant tom or a jake that's that that really doesn't have um let's say access to all to all those all those hens the real live ones they can maybe be lured away into finding their own um kind of love interest because you know the ones the, the ones there are being chased away by uh uh they're being chased away or, or or straight up fought you know to the death almost by by the the dominant tom so um so anyway so one morning finally i went in there and i set up in an area where <clears throat> i could call across the river they didn't seem like they're too far away and uh, it was just me and my ghillie and my uh, and a ground blind oh sorry in a, a, a some some brush um some some deadfall that i uh that i've kind of squatted behind and it was maybe i don't know 50 75 yards from the riverbank and then there's maybe like another 100 125 yards across uh to the river and then they were probably inside the tree line another because it goes up a bank and a little bit of a clearing so they were probably about 200 yards away well they can see well enough because it wasn't where, where it was there were there's tall trees but there's not a lot of brush and where i set up i, I made sure that the area that i was calling from if 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 a bird was on the other side of the bank, they could see this thing's red head, kind of focus on it, and then and then hopefully see it. So I set this thing up, got my ghillie on, started making calls, and nothing happened for a while. I, they weren't gobbling back, but then the gobbling stopped. I'm like, okay, crap. Now they're either gonna they're either coming, or they just lost interest. Now if the gobbling stops, okay, and I knew this, uh, and but I but I kind of took a risk. That that means that. Uh, they might be on their way if the go- if they've been gobbling, 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 and all, and they sounded you know like interested. And all of a sudden, you know, like you didn't hear them, you know, the gobbles go farther and farther away. They just stopped. They're probably coming. Well, I thought, okay, well, I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna, and I was only about seven yards away from, uh, from from this decoy. I thought I was gonna, uh, you know, just walk up, take this thing, and actually move it closer to the riverbank so maybe they could see it a little bit better. Um, if they were looking from from across the river, well, I get like a few steps, you know, toward my decoy, and then I see moving off to my uh, like 10, 30, 11 o'clock position, about 40 yards away, and I'm like, oh shit, there's a turkey. So drop to my knees, crawl back, and this thing uh, basically comes from let's say my 10 o'clock position, and it's kind of coming 
you know, toward me. I'm still hunkered down. My heart's beating. I got, you know, tension on the string. This thing comes in. It, 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 uh, I couldn't shoot exactly when it, when it turned around and fanned out, but it had no idea I was there. And it, it, it saw my decoy, obviously. It came right in front of my decoy, and it kind of started doing like this, this counterclockwise circle. So when it turned its back to me, I stood up, uh, took like, like a step and a half out to the right away from this brush, and I drew. And I was waiting for the perfect shot, but it, I'm still wait there's still like brush and like some deadfall in the way. But I'm pretty much standing up. I'm in a ghillie. I mean, I'm feeling like, like total like, you know, like SEAL Team badass at this point, right? And this thing was coming, ah, I was moving, let's say, from now, like the 3 o'clock to the 2 o'clock to the 1 o'clock, and it was kind of turning, and it was about to, like, pretty much uh, start courting to me, and I thought, well, I need to take the shot now, plus it was crossing um, my decoy. And I just, the shot I made, it just, it, it smacked my decoy. Uh, in fact, I knocked my decoy over the side of my arrow, because it didn't cut it, but the side of my arrow slapped the decoy and knocked the decoy over and I missed low and left on this turkey at nine yards the most thrilling thing I have ever done uh, not uh, just in, in hunting period not 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 just not just turkey hunting but I mean that close um, heart pounding all that stuff everything went amazing with the exception of actually putting an arrow through that thing I launched another arrow uh, when it was about 25 or so yards away, because it started to strut away. It didn't, it didn't even, like, fast run. But by the time I, I w we were trying to see if I actually hit the thing or not, and I got another arrow out, and, you know, by the time it cleared, it was, it was through some brush. It banged into some brush. And I knew it was, like, a long bomb. There's no way I was going to hit it, and I didn't. Um, but, yeah, I missed this thing at 9 yards because I, I, whacked my, um, uh, I whacked my decoy. But the lessons I learned from that was, you know what? I don't need a damn blind. I've said it before, um, the last, sorry, the sump pump's going off here, I promise I'm not in the bathroom, um, the last three out of the four years, with the exception of last year, of course, which, which was, like I said, pretty much like underwater washed, I, if, if I had had a shotgun, no problem, I mean, like, it would have been murder on turkeys, especially if it, you know, in a blind, but, um, I had a similar encounter, uh, not in a ghillie, but it was at lunchtime a couple of years ago where, um, you know, I called in a turkey, jumped out, shot, um, it, and it went through the center of the turkey, it looked like, but it didn't didn't cut anything. I don't know how the hell it didn't do that. I've talked about that one before. Um, and I missed one uh, four years ago with my compound because I was trying to shoot it in the head, and I just grazed it. It's, it's barely just, just missed its neck. But uh, I, I have zero desire to go turkey hunting with a shotgun. Um, I just don't because to me, okay, I know it sounds kind of, kind of, kind of bold and arrogant for somebody who still hasn't shot and put, you know, killed one yet, but it's just way too easy. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind I'd have like three dead birds in the last, last four years. There's no doubt in my mind because one, you're not, I'm, I'm not going to miss the shotgun that close. And number two, I'm not going to miss with shot number two and shot number three because that's how many times I've been able to, would have been able to take a shot at, at, at the ones I missed. Um, not even a question in my mind. I think if I had my compound with me this year, dead bird. Absolutely, because I could have picked them off through a smaller opening before I even had to like stand up and clear brush. But again, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the same thrill. I walked back out of there with a smile on my face. It was such a, 
uh, a dichotomy of emotions because on the one hand I was pissed at myself for missing but on the other hand it was the most thrilling thing that I did and I'm like son of a bitch I called this thing in and I was on the ground kneeling down in a ghillie suit and I was seven yards away from this thing and I was able to call it in and actually get off a shot the fact that the shot didn't connect okay you know bad but uh, you know after that I'm like I, I don't want to hunt these things any other way now am I ever gonna be you know be back in a ground blind sure if it if I hunt in the same you know same uh, spot that I was telling you about earlier where it's just relatively close to the road and you know why not <laughs> sometimes uh, it's just it's just nice to just go in there walk a little bit, no big deal, set up, set up in a chair and just chill out in the morning, you know. But uh, to some of these other areas where it, it's it's a little bit farther walk, if it's anything more than a quarter mile, man, nothing, nothing came close to the thrill of just doing it on the ground in a ghillie. And I considered that, um, you know, it, it, I considered that successful. It's not like uh, last year where I, where I wasn't even given the opportunity at an opportunity. This time I had the opportunity, I messed up, but all the things I learned were really, really valuable. Like I said, uh, you know, where to be, how to scout, uh, what to look for, um, you know, how to set up, uh, you know, it, 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 in, in relation to how close you have to be to your decoy, especially with a trad bow, uh, how close you have to be to your decoy, versus you know where available cover is you know for for you even in a ghillie as far as um, you know deadfall and brush and that kind of stuff so you got to really you know look around your terrain and really figure out what's going to work because a you have to hide yourself but if you're too well hidden and then then your decoy is going to be too well hidden they may not see it so if your decoy is kind of out in the clearing wall are you going to be in, in a spot to be able to get that sh you know to close enough to get a shot you know but far enough that they're not going to see you and uh, you're going to be too far away because the deadfall that you need to be in is uh it, it is where it is but the decoy has to be where it is and it's just too far away it's, it's kind of tough to explain but that whole setup the chess game of 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 of, of doing that kind of the 3d um you know, spatial orientation of where you, you have to be and where they they might be coming from and what they're going to see versus the angle, the shot that you need to take versus the decoy. It's really cool. I, I really, really enjoyed, um, really, really enjoyed uh, tur turkey season this year. And it was, it was you know, it was, it was pretty damn thrilling. Um, about a week or so after this miss, I was going to go back to the exact same area and uh, try to try to kill either this same bird or, um, or or another bird that I, I think might have been in the area. And I don't know whether I blew it, but I I was walking in, and the area that I wanted to, I was going to set up on pretty much the same area, but walking in, uh, I was not expecting a gobble from my side of the river. And this thing was close. It had to have been 40, 50 yards. Uh, it was a loud gobble. And I'm like, oh, shit. I, mean, I, I literally felt like I, I hit a wall. I mean, I stopped mid-stride. And I said, oh, shit. And I'm kind of out in the open because I hadn't really been in, you know, in an area where I could where, where I could get in and get into cover and set up. Because I was not expecting turkeys to be on my side of, 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 of where I was going to hunt. My whole thought process was I'm going to set up I'm going to try to call something from across um, 
Anyway, so I hit a wall. I'm like, well, shit. I'm standing around, standing around. I'm wide open. I'm looking to see, but I mean, turkeys are hard to spot sometimes if you don't, you know, if they're sitting there and if they're hidden or I, I didn't see him in the trees. I didn't see him roosted, but I think he might have been still up in the tree. And so basically I kind of dove you know, kind of 20 yards back, uh, kind of did like a horseshoe back around behind some cover. I tried to set up, but it, it must have seen me do all this because I was kind of kind of out in the open while I was walking. Um, it you know it, it it gobbled a couple other times, and by the time I set up, and you know I, I think it was too late because I set up again trying to find a good good clear opening for for them to see the the decoy but trying to find good enough deadfall uh and and and, and ground brush and stuff like that for me to hide behind i didn't have my ghillie on i was trying to be as quiet as possible and i don't know it must have seen me the first time anyway and i'm sure it's probably why it gobbled because it was so close and i think all the other stuff i was doing was just you know all for naught anyway but uh, i set up i was waiting i was calling and I saw, I heard this thing uh, fly from kind of over my, I'm going to say if I'm, if I'm sitting there facing a certain direction, say my nine o'clock and it kind of flew about 50, 60 yards towards the 12 o'clock. And it literally was like crashing into uh, the, the brushes and, and or the, uh, the branches and stuff into the tree line over there. So it must have been roosted either that or, or, or flew, you know, f flew off from the ground or whatever. But um, it made absolutely zero noise after that. So I guarantee you that it saw me because it did not respond whatsoever to any kind of calls. I mean, it gobbled like four or five, six times while I was standing there and kind of backing up. But once I set up, it was quiet. And once it flew, um, it, so I, I guarantee you that, that it, you know, the game was up. It knew that I was there and it had nothing, it wanted nothing to do with me. So um, that, that was kind of unexpected. I really did not expect that because I was doing shock gobbles uh, or, or trying to elicit shock gobbles on my way in. And that was one of the, the, the second you know, morning that I was like, oh, wow, these, they're actually shock gobbling back because they haven't been doing it all season. And all the ones from across the river were shock gobbling. And this thing did not gobble at me until the one that was on my side and closest to me did shock gobble and it gobbled when I got close. And I think it gobbled because it, because it saw me or heard me or whatever. But, um, so I, I was trying, and the reason I was doing that is so I it, it's kind of like sending out sonar you know you kind of do the uh, I, I do like the owl you know the barred owl call you know and um, that way if the thing you know responds you're like oh shit it's like right there so you're not going to walk any further you're going to sit down you're going to set up hopefully that gives you like a couple like a you know 100 yards 150 yards whatever buffer so that you can not go any further set up okay here's where i'm going to set up i'm not going to go any farther because this thing shot gobbling well this thing gobbled like i said it, it, it was under 40 yards it was really really close and um it was it was so much so like i said that i heard the sound and it literally felt like i hit a wall and i uh you know didn't get an opportunity so anyway um that was pretty much my turkey season i was not able to go out anymore after that i probably like i said it went out five six times maybe uh total maybe seven i can't remember but i can't complain i can't be mad that i didn't get an opportunity because i got an opportunity like most people don't ever get an opportunity i mean i i mean i'm I, i'm pissed that i didn't connect there's, there's not too many stories I hear of guys sitting on the ground, being able to call something in, in a ghillie suit, standing up and being able to take a shot at, you know, 
between seven and nine yards uh, on a bird. It's kind of, uh, I was kind of like, man, I missed, but I missed on like an elite level, if that makes any sense. Again, not to sound arrogant, but I mean, I was really happy with, with, with the way that that whole thing um, happened and the way my my turkey hunting like woodsmanship and, and skills developed and, and, and put into practice uh you know this this season versus all the other seasons so i'm like super super stoked about that um i wish yeah i i wished i wish i had shot one but honestly i saw so much cool shit you know even you know as far as uh wildlife and walking in and i mean i was literally like you know like 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 10 feet away from like two beavers um, that kind of came up out of the water and like, like stood up and, you know, I just sat there still watching them. I, I filmed uh, some of this on uh, on my, you know, Instagram stories, um, you know, bald eagles, you know, a pair of them just kind of sitting there. Uh, just, just, just the normal like morning wildlife, waterfowl, wildlife um, scenes that were just really, really beautiful that just made uh, this, this season, you know, really, really incredible for me. So, uh, I know a lot of you guys have been very successful, so congratulations to you guys. Uh, hope um, you know you guys got some scouting in, deer scouting into. I did uh, in in a couple areas. I'm 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 pretty happy with. I didn't find a ton, but the, the area that I did had 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 a lot of sign, and um, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind for uh, for for deer season. So um, you know, some guys some guys use deer or uh, turkey season just as an excuse to go to go scouting right they'll walk around like, ah, i'll sit for like 20 minutes and i'm just gonna go scout around well me you know i'm really into in, into turkey and I, I really love it but i do of course keep an eye out for um uh you know deer sign and and, and potential you know uh potential areas come uh come this fall so anyway uh i don't really have any other any stuff to say i just really wanted to to kind of recap my um uh, my, my turkey season you guys uh, you know have heard some of these you know the the, the the story before and I apologize if this is a repeat but um, and I hope you guys can take away you know something from this uh, there's a lot of you listening that are you know a whole lot more experienced than I am and, and some of this stuff is like well duh but you know if, if you some of you guys are, are, are you know relatively new or are learning you know like I am kind of every time you go out well, you know, I hope some of this stuff was, um, I hope some of the stuff was, was, was helpful. I guess the biggest takeaways for me and for you, maybe if you're kind of new to this is, uh, don't call, don't, don't hen call, don't turkey call until you're set up and ready to go because you could be surprised. Um, do the, uh, the locator calls, you know, barred owl, coyote, you know, whatever, uh, the barred owl seems to be, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the best one that works for me. Uh, even if you do all that, you can still be surprised and they don't shock gobble. And all of a sudden, uh, you get really, really close and they gobble at you and you're like, well, shit. Okay. That didn't work. That can happen all the time. This isn't guaranteed. Um, and definitely scout, you know, don't be afraid to walk in deep. Don't fr- don't be afraid to walk way deeper into areas, uh, that you think, m- you know, may not hold turkeys. You never know what you're going to find, you know, take a trip walk through the woods, walk in deep and go mobile. You know, think of it like, uh, you don't have to have, you don't have to have a, a blind with you. You know, you can do some of those, um, uh, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. You know, there's, there's some of that netting you can carry with you. Uh, there, you know, like a ghost blind, if you want to do that, that's, that's a whole lot lighter. I think you can do that. Um, you know, or you can just, 
you know, you, you can just work on, you know, building, learning how to build uh, natural ground blinds, which is what I was doing, and get a ghillie. You know, even a cheap ghillie seemed to work. I was amazed. This thing had no idea that I was there. So don't be afraid to, you know, if, you, if you've gotten into mobile deer hunting, you know, this run and gun mobile style deer hunting with just a backpack and, you know, minimalist stuff and go deep, do the same with turkey hunting. It is a ton of fun. So um, obviously turkey seasons have wrapped up for everybody in pretty much, yeah, I think it's all pretty much done here in, in, for, for all the country. So I hope you guys were successful. If not, I hope you guys learned something. So, um, you know, concentrate on, uh, on, 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 on your shooting skills for the summer, even in between uh, having barbecues and, and fire pits and, um, you know, fishing and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be just a couple months away here when, uh, when deer season is going to come around and, you know, you want to be ready. So, all right. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, if you like this episode, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, leave a rating. Really, really appreciate it if you leave a rating. That's easy to do. Scroll down with whatever app you're listening to. It's usually all the way down at the bottom. Just leave a five-star rating. Uh, that greatly, greatly helps. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I've been putting out a series of videos on um, uh, knots you should know for, for saddle hunting. I have one more to, to post, actually, by the time this this uh, this episode posts. I'm going to post another one. Um I did four knots, and if you're new to saddle hunting, or you know, want to know how, you know, if you're climbing a tree, using a, using a uh, alignment belt or anything like that, super simple knots that you really should know. And I I think I do a pretty good job. I'm gonna pat myself on the back of explaining how they're used, why they're important, and and how to tie them. So, anyway, just things like that. Thanks for tuning in, and I appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys next time.